Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's get into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you? It's raining outside. It's a rainy night in Georgia. Is it? Yeah, I know it's raining night in Houston. Because <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of tears being shed over there in our G Stadium. One thing is for sure, some of it's tears of joy because you headed in another direction. The others are tears of confusion, and I don't know where I'm going. Sorrowful. Somebody help me, please. Because in 12, what is it, 12, 12 years now, 13 years now, organization has made a has plateaued out seemingly, and Doc looked like they headed down the other side of the hill and into the valley, and we don't know what's down there. It's covered with a lot of trees and brush. We don't know what lays down in the undergrass. And folks, most of you all know what we're talking about today. Yeah, a pretty good weekend for my Texas Southern fans for a half. Looked like they were playing some football against Southern as they came in in the rain and drizzle. And I was yakking. I'm going to tell you, I was yakking. In the second half. What happened, Doc? Talk to me. Talk to me, Doc. Couldn't score. Couldn't get the big plays. Gave up the big plays. Turnovers, the weather. And couldn't uh, force any turnovers or big plays. And they lost 40 to 21. Um, It kind of slid away from them. Got a safety early. Still win the game. Well, gave up a field goal. So went to 24-21. Then it gave up a safety. So obviously went to 26-21. And then... Southern decided to run the ball, and essentially Texas Southern couldn't stop on the run. And they just ran it down their throat and scored two touchdowns uh, to pull away to have the final score, 40-21, to just to show that Southern, very strong team, and got back on track to get it done. Must admit, although the weather was was pouring down and the score didn't go the way of Texas Southern fans, they were on campus tailgating and they were tailgating in the rain under the tent the fraternities <laughs> and sororities were doing their stepping uh, in the rain and just having a good old time so it didn't stop those that decided that they were it. not going to be defeated by the weather or yeah, the right. score that they were going to have a very good homecoming so the Tigers of Third Ward Texas as many people would say um, that's a good did thing. Really well, and that, that's I, good. I must say, it looked like that's good. Most of the people out there were really enjoying their homecoming, despite uh, the weather. Gentlemen, all was pretty good. Yep. Gentlemen, now he should be replaced as DC immediately, but the Texans should not stop there. This is by Fred Fowler in the Examiner. How mercy. After it's about time. that crap that the Texans put on display in the first half against the Miami Dolphins when they were trailed 41 to nothing, and offense, I, defense was, was inept, both sides of the ball. I'm going to tell you how bad it was. Before I'm going to let you continue on. Did you ever in your fantasy, in our, our fantasy lifetime figure out that uh, Tannehill would score almost 30 or not uh, 30 plus points? As a quarterback on any given Sunday, not just hell no, and he did that in a half. He had, well, I, I, it didn't surprise me. I thought about he picking was him up. The Texans. I think anything is possible when you play the Texans. But it's just I had Lamar just Miller. Not a very good organization right now. Starting so, from um, the top. Okay. Starting from the top. Okay. Then now, since you're the person that signed the check, all the way down to the coaches what and the players. Conversation do you have tonight? Not tomorrow. Not down the road. But tonight, what conversation do you have tonight? You're the person that signed the check. 
Bob McNair is probably going to say, fellas, let's go drink some milk. And, uh, you know, let's have a little prayer and discuss this in the morning. I know you all are frustrated right now, but I believe in you guys, you know, and we'll, and we'll be better. Is this the conversation you having on your private plane or on a commercial plane? Now, in reality, if I was the owner, Rick, come into my office, please. Bill O'Brien, Roman Cornell, George Godsey, come into my office. This crap ends right now. So I can fire all y'all. I can reassign all y'all, whatever you want to call it, term it. But this was ridiculous today. I spent all this money, and this is trash. Y'all fix it, or you're replaced. Questions? Do they have any? Because I'm going to tell you. That's, that, I, I, that's I, how it should go. But now, the, because my cause former is probably how it went. Because the next thing out of their mouth is going to be most likely uh, excuses. Oh, and, 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 but, but you don't you know. have any. You don't I, have I any. don't even believe it's necessary excuses. I mean, I, this team is not very good. Period. It's not, be, it's not excuse. And because of it's who? Not very good. Who's in charge of that? It's it's not very good because the ownership does not understand how to put a football team together. So he hires people that do not do a very good job, and that's from the GM to the coaches to the training people, from drafting, everything. If you think about this team, what part of this team really excites you? Well, the best part uh, got outside hurt. Outside of maybe J.J. Watt. The best part got hurt defense in the what, fourth quarter. Yeah. He got hurt yeah. towards, towards, probably towards Achilles. Achilles. Last year, area. Foss yeah. is gone now. Last game of the Texan, probably. And, 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 and he made you look better than what you really were in terms of offense. So, again, I'm not looking at one player in terms of this league uh, to show you how well you are. You uh -huh. look at some of the other teams. Nobody in this league had stacks on offense or defense. They may have a lot of better players on offense or a lot of better, much better players on defense, but there's always holes. But you have teams that understand that I can put parts together yeah, and put winning teams on the field to make runs at championships or at least playoffs every so often. This team just looks inept in many, many facets of the game. Now, and, and the worst part about that is this whole division, as I look at it today, is trash. It's trash. So at any point, if you just put – a three-game winning streak together, you could actually win the division as it is, as it looks but, right now, and but, that looks that, that most. See, that's what makes, that, that's what makes division, it look most. But you're always talking about what, but this team doesn't is not any good. So this team, the reason that they this division is like it is, the whole division is like that. And and see, even if they go six and ten, seven and nine, even if they win this division with a subpar record, they're still a bad football team. Right, and, and they'll stay there until when. When when do you when, get tired, when get tired when of when Bob McNair opens up his eyes, puts off those Texan colored glasses that he has that he spent millions of dollars on, gets rid of Rick Smith, gets rid of the coordinator because he probably won't fire O'Brien right now, even though O'Brien is to blame for this too because he's part of the personnel decision as well now. Yeah, if he keeps O'Brien, it's not gonna change because so O'Brien doesn't know what he's doing. You know, Rick Smith isn't is responsible for these. Piss poor drafts, but uh, and, and I I don't think it's Rick Smith because that's what I'm telling you. This organization drafts. See, Rick this, Smith could Rick be the mouthpiece Smith for the drafts. Not, the, he's the point man in terms of the position, but the way they draft, everybody drafts and has a collective voice. 
So that's why I'm saying this is the entire organization. In that draft room, the owner, the GM, the head coach, and whoever else they put together are all in there collectively saying, this is who we want. So this is not a one-person fault. This is the organization. And so until you move out this organization and bring some really good football guys in that know how to operate under this salary cap, nothing will change. Now, you just mentioned something. Operating under the salary cap. They've made a decision as an organization to write a check for two guys and they are out of and for whatever reason they've not made a concerted effort to taking care of looking at where they need to spend money at one of those positions that stands for me and it's always been a, a, a source of condition with me has been the quarterback spot beyond that I don't see anything that they've showed me. It wouldn't matter if they got a good quarterback. All they would do is ruin the quarterback. So it doesn't matter. So you're saying the play call and everything is in shambles. Yeah, it's an organization. See, everybody tries to fix this with either firing a GM or firing a coach or bringing in a quarterback. It is an organizational issue. You need a clean sweep of the organization which starts over, which means that you're going to need so you're putting everything. So you're putting every you putting all the blame on Bobby Nair. Yes. Started right at the, the tip top. Okay, at the now tip top. His philosophy, the way he puts people together, the people he brings in, and the framework, the way that he allows them to manage, does not work in the current NFL salary cap structure. It does not work. It is clear. That it does not work. All right. Now. The talent evaluation is trash. With with that being said, who do you get? Who's the next person that you go and find to write a check? Because if you're going to get rid of the organization and you start talking for, starting from the top, including the person that signs the checks right now, where do you go and find someone else? Because you got it, it, in order for that to be, be straight now, according to the organization, you got to find a He's got, Somebody replace, else. he's got to replace his son because his son's also in charge of banking decisions as well. Even though it's supposed to be just on the business side. But who, who else do you find? Who else do you find to write a check? Who who does the team? Who does the, the city or the league? He's right. He, he's, like, he's not selling it. He's not selling it. Well, if, if you saying if you if you referencing that's not that, what that, I'm saying. Okay, then I'm not saying it's not because he doesn't write checks. He's written checks, but he's, he's written, written the wrong bad checks. checks. The wrong bad Well, people. and if that's the case, then apparently it looks like they need to go. Somebody needs to go and get a new owner. Start oh, they ain't gonna get a new owner. Okay, he then needs well, to if go it, get. If it was he that needs simple. to get a GM that knows football, and he needs to allow that GM to be a GM. The problem he has now, in my opinion, he has a GM. I don't know if Rick Smith is good or not. All I know is. Rick Smith is not the traditional GM in what we call GMs. Because that's not how this organization runs. They all collectively make decisions. So you could bring in another GM. It could be one of the best GMs out there. If he's not able to do what a GM does in many cases in this league, make decisions, 
with input, it's not going to matter. Because whoever he's going to bring in, they're going to sit at the table and you're going to have all these bastardizations of bad decisions collectively coming together and they're going to continue to make bad decisions. That's the point I'm trying to make. Is everybody wants to say it's one person. It's not a person problem. We've, we've replaced different people throughout this organization. We've changed. We've had draft picks. We thought we had good draft picks. We had great players. We've had players that weren't very good here, went somewhere else, and were pretty good. That should tell you something. It's Bob McNair. John Royal wrote a great article about McNair being the worst sports owner in Houston pro sports history for Houston Press about Bob McNair. This all lays at Bob McNair's feet. Yes. Period. And I've had friends, people disagree, and you know they're still living in the past about the fact that McNair brought back the NFL to Houston. That was in, that was years ago. Yes. What what winning has has the organization d- done since he's been here? Very little. And in this NFL league, that's a huge statement because you have franchises in this league that suck one year and make huge turnarounds the next. He got Ryan Mallett missing the charter flight to Miami. I saw he that. He should be cut. I saw that. And I, was, I, saw that be yes, cut. I saw that yesterday, and I was like, why is he still in the uniform? It wouldn't matter. You can cut him whatever. But, but that's not something that would do. It's not about being tough. See, that's the thing. You got a tough guy. The tough guy ain't working. So y'all want to just do this traditional. It's not about that. The reason that he missed the flight, because the way they organize themselves is not a good fit. So you can be tough. He's he's a tough coach. He came and stripped all the things off the wall. That that is that that doesn't make you a great coach. That's what people don't understand. Being tough doesn't work today. Well did in a, uh, well let me ask this question then. At some point in the interview process, did it not come across to at least one person that may, he may be a good coach, but he may not be a good head coach, organizational-wise. Well, all I say, all I'm saying, is I, that, that, I'm just, I'm just he asking. He may be a great coach, but it's not. It's, you're not gonna know. The, the, the problem is, is we keep looking at this again in isolation. We either want to pick on the coach, or we want to pick on the GM. Stop trying to dissect it by individual and saying if we replace one individual, that this will fit. We've done all that. Well, I'm going, I'm, I'm going back to what I said earlier then. It's, it's an organization. You have to sweep somebody, out the organizational structure and change how this organization operates. All right. How do you go about... You have to change the culture well, and, and, of this. Okay. Let me, let me, ask, you this, let me ask this question then. How do you go about entertaining the person that signs a check and convincing him that he needs to find that particular person and let that person run the run the organization. I don't know how to do it. I don't I don't know him like that. So I don't know how you do that. That's a great question. That's what I guess when answered. enough when he loses because apparently I guess when he loses enough and fans finally well, stop showing up. Thank you. There we go right there. Hit him in his wallet. Hit him in his wallet. Which leads me to this, as I've said in previous podcasts, all you folks who are Texans fans who are spending your money yep. being hoodwinked and bamboozled, going to the NRG, staying in the Washington crap. Right 
Right Styles play Friday. What's their record? Right now they're record, four, right? four and three. Okay. And they, they, they play Friday. And Lot Tech to be bowl eligible. Yep. Then Saturday, TDECU Stadium, U of H game. I'm not even going to say it, that part. They play Vanderbilt of the SEC. Six o'clock Se- kickoff. 7 0. They're ranked in the top 20 in both polls now. If you want to see some winning football, yep. spend some money and go see those two college teams play, and you'll be satisfied instead of spending a lot more money to watch crap. And you can sit down and drink. Since y'all worried about, 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 about your alcohol and stuff, you can sit down and drink. And at, 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 uh, at U of H games, you can actually sit at the table and have your personal laptop and order. So it's up, got to, get up, it's to, do that up to the fans pit stop. to stop accepting garbage. Because, and you've already spent the money on the tickets. Yep. So. And you're sitting in the parking lot now. So you might, I mean, the only way, only recourse you have is to not show up. Because he already has your money. And you keep going, tailgating, spend all this money, bringing, you know, drinking the beer and the booze and stuff. The team still stinks. So you need to do something. The only, way, only thing you can do is not show up. That's the only option you have as a fan is to stop, you know, calling in the sports talk shows and everything, venting your frustration. Does no good if you still go to the game. Right. And it's still 70,000 people. I mean, it's still going to be announced 70,000. But if the TV shows is 40,000 or, or less, then maybe McNair will realize, well, damn, maybe this is not working. Maybe I need to do something different. I mean, it took this man all this time to get the turf fixed. Despite a visiting team saying for years the turf at that stadium was the worst turf in the NFL. That makes it two times around. So you, you, have, you have options. It's up to you whether you want to, to take those options or not. Which leads me to this as well. U of H, Rice, marketing. Yeah. Capitalize on the Do situation. a better job. Capitalize on the fact that you're a winning football team and the pro team isn't. Capitalize that you have an affordable product and the pro team doesn't. For the losses and the ineptitude that is putting out on the field. Yep. All the money you're spending, and then what are they two and five? And look, and two of the worst losses in franchise history the last three weeks. Why are you still accepting this this garbage? I mean, you have, and people really that are Houston fans don't want to hear this. I mean, you have a Dallas team that has lost the quarterback, wide receiver, and running back, and they playing in a sorry division. At least they competitive. I mean, they losing and they suck, but at least they competitive. Doc, that's because they have. And, and they're making change. They, they, That's what I'm they, saying. They have, they have an owner. owner. And now he might micromanage a lot. And he's going to try to win. He's going to micromanage. What he, but what it takes. But he, is, he's, is, even, is, he's even pulled back from that. Yeah. He's letting more folks in, and, in charge. And because he realized that it wasn't working. That's right. And he allowed that football person to put an offensive line together. Right. And now that's a different team. Yep, and they competitive, and it's based on the fact that they had that offensive line. Today they lost to uh, the Giants, twenty-seven to twenty. But that's because I'm was looking. I'm tripping at yard kickoff after they tied right. the game. Castle had a pick six and some big things, but he had some also some good plays. They tried to switch it around. Right. But McFadden had a hundred plus yards running the ball. And that's what they need to get because back to. Because of what? 
An offensive line. line that they restructured and said, yep. hey, we have to play football differently than what we've been doing. New football league. Now, we hated to kind of like go down that road right there, but. No, we didn't. No, but, really, I sure didn't. I, I yeah, love it. But that's reality. Really, I'm just tired of talking. And, and, about it. But, but at the end of the day, the I team will up say this for those New England fans. New England got it away to get get it done against the Jets today. Close game. Yeah. New England going undefeated. No. No. Okay. No. Uh-uh. Put that out there yet. I'm gonna say yes. Undefeated as in, so, uh, they win a Super Bowl. They have the other two. Not, well, 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 let me ask you this: the, the, what, right. This is the toughest they've they, they faced so far this season, right? Only they because play the Jets of, again, uh, they go to the Jets, so that's a chance. Yeah, that's a shot. That's, that's a good shot. shot. They got that's a good one next shot. week. Miami playing much better football. Truth, Tannehill, new coach, interim coach, whatever. Uh, oh, that uh, uh, according to one of the uh, pundits, uh, Dave Weinstein, he said the difference is. The new guy came in and just said, you know what? I've been here. Y'all been lallygagging around. It's a new but day I, and done. And, 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 and I'm careful with that because everybody likes to get in and it's all this, this tough but, guy, whatever. But I think in a lot of ways, if you really start to look closer at some of the things he did, uh-huh. yes, it wasn't so much about them lallygagging around. and He wanted to make the game intense. But also a larger part of what he was doing is he wanted to make the game fun again. He turned guys loose. He, defensively, he turned guys loose. He turned alert. guys loose. Because in the, practice, he asked them to go for it, but it was a lot more about them having fun and getting into action. I think a lot of the part of what was going on in Miami with the last culture again was the fact that the game stopped being fun. Oh, that, well, I, I agree. Care, even if you're a professional, you get paid. You, you, if you're not having fun, you're not having fun. You're not having fun, period. And you're right. And I think a lot more of this had to do with him not just putting in this, quote, structure that everybody talks about because that will go away uh, again anyway. The part that he was able to do is he was able to treat these men like men, and he found a unique way to make this game fun again to them. And it happens. It happens. The day was the day's first half was as bad it is as it's gotten. And they they ran into a team that sucks, so that always makes it easy hey. to have fun. Because <laughs> you just crap happens. You just beat them. Up. You either get crap out there on the field, or you crap in the locker room. Sandy Hill was twelve for twelve for two hundred thirty-one yards and four touchdowns in the first half. What kind of day was that? In the first half, and he been like average go, go lucky guy. Forty-one nothing at halftime. You know, Texan scored. I love how John McClain put it because he was being very sarcastic. The Texans won the second half, twenty-six to three. <laughs> you know what that sounds like? First half, forty-one to nothing. But, they, <laughs> but you know, the Texans are—they, I guess, they're getting good at these uh, scores in the second half of meaningless games. Game's already over. Let me put some stats up, and it's a tough job for the team PR. You know. Today, Young Klein got his first sack. So, somebody mentioned that on TV got two today, today. So, you're down forty-one nothing. Tweet that. Tweet the halftime stats. Tweet the end of the first quarter stats. We had no yards and gave 139. Tweet that. How can you in this day and time in an NFL zero zeros at it for a half? Yet, Arian Foster, game's over, was in the game fourth quarter, 404 left in the game when he got hurt. Game is over. Game is over at halftime. Right. So you're trying to but pat his stats? 
No, I think you got that old philosophy that you're talking about that you're a tough guy. You're gonna want you want these guys don't quit and you're gonna play all the way through. And you got a guy that didn't quit, play all the way through, and now you got him hurt, so now you're gonna deal with it the rest of the year. That's why I said all that tough guy stuff. This was a different league. You got guys that play uh really that are in tune with their body. They played a lot, and you need to understand that. I think you have some guys at the college level that have better technology than this. For example, you had a Florida State coach who uses that monitoring system, and he has a running back that has a you know a strain, strain injury, and they really watch intuitively, and they have him so in tune with his body plus with the equipment that he will take himself out of the game before he. Has it tear on him, but he gives as much as he can throughout that. And to me, that's the, where you are in this game. You got to be a much more intelligent. These guys, instead of just looking at them as we often want to, and you don't want me to get in this because I believe there's some connections in the past. But these are not just right now, Doc. Just these go are there. Not just go there. Animals. Go ahead. Go there. Just go horses. there. These are not just go ahead. cows. <laughs> Meat where you just throw them out there and say, "Hey, leave it all on the field." This tough guy mentality. I'm sorry, we've come a little further than that. Let's be smart about this. And this is another case, organizational structure-wise, you have a coach that is not quite ready in terms of dealing with men and just over-coaching like he does, and he's pissed because he's getting his brains beat out. So now everybody's going to have to play through all of it, and you lose a player. Well, on a happy note, really? Yeah, because the only happy note I I'm know is that you and I get ready to make a road trip tomorrow. That's the only happy note that I have right the, now. Yeah, uh, Cougars won 59 to 10 Saturday. They woke up finally. They uh, thank sent goodness. George Leary into retirement. UCF head coach announced his retirement today, Sunday afternoon, saying that he was going. Anyway, I believe this. He's going to retire at the end of the season anyway. But he announced it effective immediately. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little bit, I'm sure, in Orlando tomorrow and Tuesday at Media Day for the American Athletic Conference. That still has three teams ranked in the top 25. It should. When Temple it was close bounced yesterday. back uh, against it was close, yeah. East Carolina. So we still have U of H, Memphis, Memphis and Temple in the top 25. And as we touched on, on the top 25, uh, who was in, inside the top 20 now? I uh, think U of H in Memphis. Memphis is ranked 16. The Cougars are ranked 18th in the. Uh, there we go. In the AP poll, I think Memphis. Memphis is 16 in both polls. AP and coaches poll. U of H is 18. AP and 19 in the coaches poll. And Temple is 21. I think 21 and 22. So, but Temple can put a stamp on the American Athletic Conference success this season, this Saturday, Halloween night, against Notre Dame. I. Kid you not, if they win and that I'm game, tell you. the whole country will know, well, damn. They <laughs> play football in the American Athletic Conference, right? In yeah. the American Athletic Conference. Speaking of. Because right now, people are talking about the fact that Notre Dame has a chance to still crash the party in terms yeah. of oh, the playoffs, yeah. leaving two conferences out. So this is a major statement for the American as they get a chance to try yeah. to find a way to crash the party. And some of these teams oh, are yeah. to lose multiple games when you had – uh, the block field goal from Florida State that was ran back that takes them from the undefeated, and obviously USC defeating Utah, oh. taking them from uh, undefeated ranks in terms of the Power Five conferences. So as these teams start to play each other, and we know the SEC, although they are top 25 heavy, 
they will cannibalize themselves. And I don't care how big, bright the SEC is, it's going to be intriguing to see those teams that have multiple loss. You have LSU that's playing strong. People want to still believe in Alabama, but they have to play LSU. So somewhere that's going to fall out. And that game is. Even with that. Alabama has this loss to Mississippi. Yeah. Who lost to Memphis? Who lost to Memphis? I had to throw that in. And if Memphis goes all the way uh, and wins the SEC, that makes an intriguing conversation for the Americans, especially if Memphis is that team or Temple as they have a chance to knock out Notre Dame. It's going to get quite interesting as we have these next couple of weeks start to play out. There's new teams. The other one we got to throw in there, as I let you jump in and talk about this a little more, is you had the incident at Baylor. That's where I was going to head to. quarterback in for how long, we don't know. And, and what is that going to affect with their backup? So this thing's going to get intriguing really fast as some of these teams start to move on. Texas, they're starting to play a little better. As y'all said, they would. And as we said that, we thought if they could get over the hump, we call it with Oklahoma, that they could get on a couple of games stretch, which means that they're going to start playing. Yeah, the lower part of that. uh, um, And and playing so those teams, so it's going to be. The only only team that they've got to challenge them is is, uh, is, uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's it. They don't have any, they don't have anybody else on the schedule. They got matched by TCU and they beat Oklahoma. All right, so and they lost Oklahoma State on on that. That's ball. right. They had on the yeah. But I'm saying they still have Baylor coming up, Texas Tech. So it's gonna be interesting when you and talk Texas about Texas Tech this. lost Oklahoma. Right. So it's gonna Big. be intriguing in terms of how this starts to play out with some of these teams on the end and the back end of who's gonna be left out of this mix in terms of these conferences. Yeah. Let me put this question out there then. Nobody will have more than one person. Uh, one, uh, no conference will have more than one this this time around. Correct. No, I agree. Just because of what's go- going on midway, right. uh, midway no right now, that you, I can see a conference getting two teams Baylor, into the playoffs. Baylor and TCU aren't going to be there. I think you you you're really getting to the point with what the American is doing and how it plays out, and what Notre Dame is doing and how it plays out. That you might see two power fives right. left out. I don't think you'll get both American and a Notre Dame in, but I think there is going to be a case at the very end if, for either a American team or Notre Dame, and obviously Notre Dame is the sentimental favorite. It's, if they it, it's, it, it's they're the definitely going to get a chance to crash the table because it could go down like this. Think about this when okay. you're talking about Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame already has a win against the Pac-12 uh, when you look at the fact, and they still going to play. Uh, Stanford, you still have a chance with USC, the way they're starting to come out, that they can come out of the West, I guess, uh, Southern Division of the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. So you can have a Pac-12 championship where Stanford and USC are playing each other. Again. With both of them have and lost to Notre Dame. True. So that'll be interesting for this committee to look at, and are you going to rank somebody winning a conference championship over the fact that an independent Notre Dame beat both of the teams. How's that going to play out? And 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 if you add on to that, let's say Notre Dame still beats both of those teams, but you have a Temple that beat Notre, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Then it's going to get and interesting. And Temple rolls the tape. Obviously, we'd like to see U of H fans of Texas do it, but let's say Temple rolls the table. The rest runs of the, the table. 
they have a win over Notre Dame. Notre Dame has a win over both teams that are playing for, let's say, the Pac-12 championship if we let this play out. How does that roll out to you then? And to add to it, Clemson beat Notre Dame. But if Florida State, by some miracle, improves the offensive line play and actually stays on size and doesn't have eight false starts in two games like I have the last two weeks, I think it was, excuse me, nine false starts. Yeah. If Florida State beats Clemson, then the ACC is just – Left yeah. stuck like Chuck because they won't have anybody in the top ten. Yeah, because Clemson is the last one. Is. Clemson is the last one. So Florida State beats Clemson. Then Clemson, Clemson's loss, Clemson's win over Notre Dame. Now falls down. Check that out. You still have that. People forget Florida State is not out of it. Ugly is. You say Florida State beats Clemson. Florida State still plays Florida. They beat Florida. Florida comes out the east of it. SEC is they look like they're going to do. They win the SEC. Then you have a Florida State that beats Florida. I'm, I'm I'm yeah. And then Florida and State wins the ACC championship. championship. they get out? Wow. So, yeah, it can be really it's, quite it's interesting. Gonna, nah, so, I'm just saying for the fans, don't believe in all this hype. But the committee will have look a headache. Committee. Yeah, they're going to have a headache. But I'm saying this is going to go down to the end. So, for those that are football fans and watching this, it's going to get more intriguing before this picture cleans up. December and it could 5th. Be muddier before it ever cleans up. Now, December 5th is championship Saturday for except everybody but the Big 12. Right. Baylor plays Texas on December 5th while you have conference championship and the other big time conferences. And unless the Longhorns somehow end up ranked. Right, you that got to hope that they didn't run the table and some other people fall off and they top they're at least a twenty. Well, that's that's not gonna happen. Right, what you say? I'm saying I don't think that's gonna happen. Oh, okay, the Longhorns have Iowa State, Kansas, West Virginia, and Texas Tech before they play Baylor. Uh, Baylor game is gonna get them. No, 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 no. No, he's saying going uh, into, going that, into game. that game. They roll the tables from this one. When they, can they jump in the top? West Virginia five? game is is where at Iowa State, Kansas at. West Virginia, home for the Raiders. Right. So if they win those three games, can they be ranked in the top 25? That's the – because that's what Baylor needs. Baylor needs them to be ranked top 25 by the time. And that would give them how many? Long ones would have seven wins. They'd be seven and four. Yep. Five straight wins. Six. Six. Man, I still can't see them getting into the top 25 with, with just seven wins. I just can't. Right. It's Texas. Yeah, but Texas, still, still. Wins, and you got to look at who they lost to. And they lost Notre Dame, Cal, Oklahoma State, and TCU. All teams that would be ranked top twenty-five. True enough, but I just can't see. <laughs> I can't see the uh, the, the coaches. I, well, I, I take I take that back. I can't see the writers just 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 actually just blazingly, bla- brazenly. Why not? Why why would you? I mean, I'm serious. Why, why, why would you? Why would you? Is Texas just because? Just and they because? would have won six in a row. They'd be seven and four. And you gonna put them in the top twenty-five? What if the rest of the t- bottom f- five falls out? All you're proving is Doc's point is that the Big Twelve is irrelevant. If you win six in a row, I'm looking at who you beat. If you win six in a row in the Big Twelve, and one of those wins was over Oklahoma. Why don't you rank top 25 at the end of the year? And you're Texas. This ain't like Rice winning six in a row in Conference USA and being ranked. Because 
because up to the Baylor game, the only two games that would be relevant would be the West Virginia and the Texas Tech game. And neither one of them would rank right now. They played Notre Dame. They got mashed. They lost about a field goal to Oklahoma State and got matched with TCU. That's three losses to ranked opponents. And it's Texas. And you just keep dropping that brand out there. I got the little smile on the face. You just keep dropping that brand out there. Like I'm just this. saying. These are the things that people love about the college football. We just now that's true. Now that's true. They, 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 they do love that. But when you start... I'm, 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 being, I'm being honest now. I'm, being, I, I, I'm getting rid of the heart now and everything. I'm just, just as, as a person that, that that's out there every day, like the three of us are, that, that cover these teams and all. Seven and four, I just can't. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care who. I, that's I, I, bowl I, eligible. You said they're going to go bowl eligible. Yeah. But I still They'd can't. be seven and four. But I, I can't see. I can't see a top twenty-five out of that at the end of the before the Baylor game. I just so you saying top twenty-five does not include four loss teams? Not that four. Already has two losses, two loss teams in the bottom of AP right now: UCLA and Mississippi State. And they're what? UCLA is five and two. Mississippi State is six and two. The Aggies fell out of their twenty-six. The Aggies fell out of pole. They're not two losses, correct? Yeah. The rest of the team, you got UCLA starting with that. UCLA, you some three loss, Mississippi State, A&M, North Carolina, I, uh, SC. At the end of the year, but not, not – That's what we're, we're talking about, end of the year. No, no, I'm talking about after the, after the bowl games and all are done. No, no, no. I, yeah, I've seen – December 5th, Baylor, I don't, Longhorns, I don't the Longhorns be ranked four. if they win the next four games. I don't see games. a 4 in top 25. I just don't. Not this year. Okay. So yeah, I said it, person. Week, person we people. Championship week when Baylor's playing Longhorns and everybody else is playing for a conference championship. <laughs> and they seven and, and four. And, 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 and Baylor's and, hoping and praying that Long Baylor might lobby for Longhorns to be ranked yeah, top twenty five. So they might. Yeah, they I might petition. Our bros might start crying to the media like he like he did last this year. This is a top twenty five team. The Longhorns. Yeah, they gonna tell them they top. They're, yeah, the best. The Big Twelve. Of course, the Longhorns should be ranked top twenty five. They should be top twenty. Of course, they should. <laughs> I'm listening to y'all. Got we play. We play quality team to the Big Twelve. Of course, they should be ranked. Look who they lost to. Watch y'all mouth out with soap, man. Both of y'all. Look who they How lost to. Sound? Look who they lost to. Of course they should be ranked top 25. How y'all sound? Yeah, top 25 program. 7 4. <laughs> yeah, the University of Texas. Before the regular season's over, you talk about putting them in the top 25. They win these four games. Beat Iowa State, Kansas, West Virginia, Texas Tech. Yes, they'll be ranked. Watch. We're just telling you the way they I'll do it. I'll stake a piece, God dog. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to feed both of y'all on the same night. <laughs> Thank you. That's, I'm serious. If that happens, get dug it. Y'all get a steak apiece. That'll work. Look forward to it. Look forward to it. I'm saying. <laughs> we, are too. we are too. We are too. Trust me. Now, naturally, if they stub their toe in those next four <laughs> games, then it's, it's uh, a moot point. It's a moot point. Yeah. We know that. Man. But back. It's like the, all the other article as we kind of close out on the college season before we get into uh, basketball uh-huh. and uh, the NBA, which we have a tragic. Uh, yeah. They have to announce. We'll get into yeah. that. And the uh, prayers on that. Rutgers. Rutgers can't win except for in one position. And that's at the bank. Dude, now you're talking about made a move. I call that a classic. Because you just told everybody, said, you know what? I don't care. As a president of this university, Board of Regents, 
we're going to do it with what's best in, in the best in, in his exact words, in the best interest of the university. Yes. Maryland and we, did the same thing. And we made a move. Don't worry about Houston. We Don't made a move. And love the ACC, but we're out. Big 10. And, and the conference said, we don't care about your debts. We don't care about what you got, you know, what's hanging over your head. Just, just come on. What's we need that one more team. We gonna make, sh- we gonna show you how to erase that debt quickly. Cause we make money over here quickly. That debt is gone. Gone. That's a lot of, that's a lot of zeros, folks. Yeah. That's a lot of zeros. Yeah. yeah let me Doc, talk let me, about that. Let me read. Let me get into some of this. It's in the oh. New, York, New York Times article about the headline of the article. It says it all, really. Yeah. Despite a rocky start. Rutgers in the Big Ten is still seen as a big win. Okay. <laughs> Rutgers, and it, here's a quote. i got to find the quote that takes a little, th- throws a few rocks at uh, the former Big East slash American Athletic Conference. But it's true. But let's see. And while the, I'm just going to read a bit, a few, few things ahead, from it. And while the chain has been a money loser so far for Rutgers, which at $36.3 million last year had the largest subsidy to its athletic department of virtually any public college in Division One, as calculated by USA Today, sports may soon be able to pay their own way because in just a few years, Rutgers will, be, will begin receiving a full member's cut of the Big Ten's exploding media revenue. And how much is that revenue expected to be? Let me find it. Let me scroll on down here and find it because it blew my mind when I read this. I was like, read them zeros out there. Man, oh man. Let's see. Read them okay. zeros. But Rutgers will fully vest as a Big Ten member in 2022 and will then start receiving a conference and NCAA payout estimated at $35.5 million a year. Folks. But that figure is conservative. The Big Ten is set to sign a new deal for national broadcast rights next year, which, combined with the continued growth at the Big Ten Network, is expected to establish annual payouts exceeding $40 million for each program. Now, when teams start talking about, woe is me, getting these, these, these uh, apparel deals, like Texas just got a new one uh, with Nike, just rearranged it. Folks, when you can move into a conference and without getting that, it's, it's, and nobody to- t- tells all the all the details because you don't want it all public until after the the ink is dried and the lawyer, the legalese have stepped to, have have stepped through it, as you say, Doc. Mm-hmm. When they get done, they says, hey. President, Board of Regents, you need to sign this as quickly as possible and let that ink dry as quickly as possible because there is some cheddar down the road that says we're going to be making some, we're going to be all right. And here's the quote I'm looking for. You you find it. I thank God we joined the Big Ten, said Mark Killingsworth, an economics professor who was chairman of the (laughs) New Brunswick. He invoked that word, Doc. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Who Who was chairman of the New Brunswick Faculty Council and a longtime critic of the university's enmeshment in major athletics. More of his quote, the situation, as terrible as it is, would be even worse if we were still in the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, as we called it, called it before, the AC, yeah. where Rutgers spent one season, or quote, whatever is left of the Big East, end quote, a conference that no longer sponsors football. So 
35 million, possibly 40 million payout per year. Yeah, we're okay. We'll be we'll, we'll be we'll be we'll, right. we'll get by this fine. To quote that he invoked that word, trust me. They all on their knees. Thanking God. Only <laughs> in America do we allow <laughs> us to bless the bless money. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Put, uh, publicly publicly to bless money. Just fall down our knees and say, I don't care about y'all, but I got all this money because God gave it to yes, me. Yes, sir. And, and nobody. It's a strange world. I, hey, Doc, like strange, you said, only in America. Yeah, only in America. Only in America. Don King. Only in America. America. And there's another part. What Rutgers is, is going to do with that money? They're they're building new facilities. I think it said softball Where? field, all kind of stuff. So I got to find that too because they like, had to buy some property to do that. So they don't have a lot of space now. Let I me see. Re- it's, yeah. I just received a text uh, invoking the thought of God. Talking about so Aaron Foster is out for the season with the torn Achilles. Ever since he said he don't believe in God, it's been down here for that guy. So I guess now God has, is the one that torn his Achilles. Yeah. Hey. I say, boy, only in America. Only in America. If you don't believe in God. Only in America. Only in America. The wrath will. At some point. At some point. You'll get a lightning rod. And you won't get the money. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But my goodness, that's a lot of money. Doc, you talk about that on a weekly basis. Sometimes on a, it's on your either on your show or here. The economy, you know, and it, it is interesting because tomorrow I will. Excuse me, hold on. I, I found it. You found it on Saturday morning. Rutgers will break ground. This is yesterday. Will break ground on its new athletics construction in years. Its first new athletics construction in years. A three point three million dollar indoor baseball and softball facility. Now, I haven't been up there on that campus and know how it's laid out. They don't have a whole lot of room, Doc, to do sports facilities just because of, of how, they, how close they are to the, to the... They got the river on, on, on one side, and then they've got Johnson & Johnson and, and, all, and all the other uh, and factories. factories and all on the other. Uh, they've got some warehouse areas that's... that's land that's, that sits over in that in, near the school that they could probably do what the Yankees did, you know, just take this move those folks out, clear it out and, but in the process you still got that, that concrete base and then you got to kind of like just work around it. How do you that's the most justified you know move at improvement, but making that all work and then hold on to well, that, that, now, this is the thing that people will talk about when they talk about the money, and that's why they bless God in terms of it. Money can allow you to do a lot of things. So you can find architects if you have the money that can make things work in terms of design. Uh, that's never been a problem. So what they're hedging their bets on is now that we have an inflow of cash that we know is going to continually come in mm-hmm. now we have the ability to invest in our program and they're believing that the investment will pay off in terms of them becoming more competitive and if they become more competitive they're hoping that more people will come to their games well i think it's going to be intriguing because you're talking about a city framework and what they've mm-hmm. always said about the east coast is the east coast more than any of these big cities which we're starting to see more of, and that's why I think we have some problems with Houston, obviously even with L.A., Miami, Atlanta, or some of the 
cities that happen to have college programs that have this struggle problem in regards to finding true rapid fan base compared to what you find in others. So I think it's always going to be a challenge, but they're just hedging their bets to think that they can pay off in the long run. Go ahead, Chris. And okay, this, yes, here we go. This is why, this, this is what it, what it comes down about Rutgers joining the Big Ten. TV sets. TV sets may help the Big Ten negotiate a blockbuster new television deal. I may. It will. It will. And they have already helped the Big Ten Network, according to its president, Mark Silverman. The network, which is now now in more than 60 million homes nationally, added 8 million subscribers in the New York metro area in the past year. You can do a lot of things. A period that coincided with, with Rutgers' first year as an associate member of the Big Ten. Lastly, it also experienced a 20% year-over-year rise in advertising revenue, more than twice what would have been expected without conference growth. That's not even the part where they got in Maryland, which gives them the DMV area. They already have the fact that you got Pennsylvania that butchers it, so now you have Philadelphia. So you have this triad of this multi-million dollar area in terms of Northeast, People have also, if you remember, you go back, remember they're going to start playing some basketball games. Right. They're going to keep the leverage of what they do on football. Keep it in the Midwest where it is doing well. Fans love it. They'll keep that in the heart of that area. But they're going to transition a lot of their basketball more into the East Coast. And playing Madison Square Garden. Which is very strong. They'll play in Madison Square Garden. And so you'll move some of that over. You'll do some of your more Olympic sports where you have fan bases that appreciate a little more of the Olympic framework True. where you can generate revenue. True. So you'll move that over there. You can even now play your baseball games in some of these professional facilities. Don't be surprised if they move over and try to play a game at Yankee Stadium or at the New York Mets home stadium. You'll see them do some stuff like that, maybe slide over and play some games in Philly and things of that nature in regards to the national ballpark. So you can... Now you have this marketing piece, and you add these television sets. It, it becomes a beautiful thing in terms of those that like to generate revenue. And that's why for Rutgers and Maryland in this case, it's a no-brainer. Again, it's the same thing that we talked about when the SEC ran after a chance to come after Texas A&M and Missouri because you open up to two large mega markets in terms of television sets when you get in the state of Texas and get it in the state of Missouri with both the cities of Kansas City and St. Louis. Which leads me to what we have said on these podcasts about the Pac-12. If the Pac-12, the Pac-12, they got no the payout, the payout on that end per on that side of membership the in the Pac-12 is twenty-one million dollars per team in the Pac-12. That's all. Big Ten already right now is full mem- fully vested members are paying twenty-five million. Read an article expected to go to thirty-five. And then possibly forty million. Right. Pac twelve is gonna stay around twenty one million dollars. Unless they do what? They expand. By doing what? Now they coming they have, to, get they into have the Texas. to come to Texas. Now, now to get in the Texas market. The fact that they've used the Continental Divide, the Rockies Mountain Range as a boundary, why haven't they made that move before? At least up until. It just didn't work out in terms of negotiation. When the, the 
when they got out the bag, remember they were going oh, to go to 16 teams, and four of them were going to be in the Southwest region, which in that time probably was going to be Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. A&M put their their line in the grass and said, no, we're going to move over to the SEC. I think it's a better fit. Let's travel in regards to going to the West Coast. You get outside of that time zone. Yeah, two, and then, two time so zones, then it right. was going to be Texas, Texas Tech maybe, and people were hedging their bets trying to be the other four, the, the fourth team. Yeah. And that's when Baylor was getting caught with the guy getting mad up there and making copies of his butt because he was so mad thinking that Baylor was going to fall apart. And you had everybody trying to leverage what they're going to do because they knew seriously that this was a huge mega problem. And big. And essentially what you had with the state of Texas is Texas said, all right, once we make the deal and we let Texas A&M leave, um, they pretty much went to Texas and said, Texas, whatever you want, because we want a president in football in the state of Texas. And remember the Big 12 headquarters right, yeah. is in Dallas, which right now is also the headquarters of Conference, yeah. So there wants to be a national presence in here. So it'll be interesting how that's going to move forward. As these deals come bigger and bigger, the question is going to be, to me, is going to come from Texas uh, from two facets. One, can they leverage the continue to leverage the deal they have with ESPN and Longhorn Network? Okay. Can they make that work uh, with the revenue, uh, continue to move up? Uh, they're already about to sign a record deal with Nike, is my understanding, yeah. in the bidding war on Under Armour. So can they continue to leverage themselves, but how is everybody else going to work with that? Especially people like Oklahoma. You know, where are they going to get in this? And if they think they're going to start losing the revenue discrepancy between Texas, then they're going to start thinking differently about, well, maybe we should make this Pac-12 move. Well, all bets are off. Texas is smart enough to understand that they can't survive in a 10 league uh, or even if they decide to expand to 12 with the conference championship without Oklahoma. And you know wherever Oklahoma goes, Oklahoma State is going. Yes. Yep. Join so I think the, really the bottom line in a lot of ways that this is going to be Oklahoma. And that's who Texas needs to be hesitant to in regards about that. And that's who Larry Scott is in my opinion, that's who he's going to go after next is Oklahoma because it will force the hands of Texas uh, in terms of what they will do and give them better leverage to pick up Texas. And this all changes from the framework. A lot of these decisions are made at the presidential and board level. One of the reasons that the Pac-12 expansion model even got off the table was Powers. Powers was from the West Coast and had relationships and presidential and vice presidential status when he was in play at the Pac-12. So he had a lot more relationships and felt Texas was a better fit if they were going to move with Pac-12 institutions than SEC institutions because he thought the Big Ten was really too far outside of where he wanted to go. So these are the things that starts to play on the table that you have to really start looking at when you start putting the chips on the table. Also, who's in leadership positions and academically, how do they think is the fit? The money will be there no matter where they go, uh, but it'll be sizable in terms of what that money is, and that's going to be the final pieces of the puzzle because I eventually believe 
that you will get to four 16-member conferences, essentially. Folks, and that's why the size I, of the whack has not died. That's why I'm hoping that U of H gets a toe at the table. And I don't care. I can't stand that university up there on 40 acres. But, but there you go. If they say we're rolling out, tour, we have decided that you are worthy to join us in our trek to the Pac-12. Would you agree to join us? I will say, President Couture, I will help you pack your bags and take us to the Pac-12 with the Longhorns. Yep. Yes, indeed. I sure would. Yes. If it means Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, and U of H, let's go. <laughs> Rolling that. Let's go. We can play with Arizona, Arizona State. You damn sure can play with Colorado, Colorado and, and uh, Utah in and, that in and, that And a serious thing that is that that puts that on table is the fact that when U of H went to that tier one research status, puts them a lot closer in play because the Pac-12 presidents are very big in terms of the academic side research. of the research and making sure that's in play. And you have that with Texas and Oklahoma, and then you bring that in with U of H um, outside of Texas Tech when they were not able to leverage their research data really goes in a lot of directions. Yeah, they, they lost... They lost some things. Uh, uh, but they're still pushing forward. And, yeah, and but, because forward. what they what they, what, what they were trying to do to put a better plan together to show that they were emerging the, in regards to that. So they were the institution that uh, were able to leverage and get that tier one status. Tech attempted to get into the IT research part of it and, and put some some things together, but they weren't able to get the third party. Uh, right. Electronic, uh, electronically support. Te- technology support, yeah. and it and it went elsewhere. It went to a smaller school, but it, it's, they needed it to come to be either uh, uh, a uh, co-op or be on campus, and they just weren't able to get that done. Uh, but it, like you said, Doc, it takes administration to get that. It, really? ta- it takes a, a visionary elect- administrator that says, "Okay, we I found us a way in." It may not be like you want it to, but I found us a way in, and we're going to take our chance. Who are you, sir? How can folks find you? Oh, I am Fifth Ward Wildcat. You can find me online at TweetDeck, Twitter, Facebook, J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. You can find me Blogger, SoundCloud, and YouTube at AKSV VCSR. The College Sports Report. Uh, I've got two interviews up from yesterday. Uh, Latravian G, safety for HBU Huskies. They lost a heartbreaker yesterday, uh, along with uh, the run, uh, running back Peters, who got back into the hundred yard, uh, uh, into the, the big numbers and all on yesterday. They suffered a uh, hard loss, but being as it was, you know, being it, uh, it was against uh, from that southeastern. I think that's what it was. Southeast Louisiana. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but all in all, everybody came out okay. I'll be back, and uh, I totally uh, SID. I'd be back to talk to coach on Wednesday once I got back in town. Uh, but uh, from what I understand. Things are going along okay. 
you know, in basketball. Uh, hadn't heard anything major, so that means everybody's healthy. A couple of folks that I saw in the cafeteria yesterday uh, eating grub look like they, they, look, they look a little healthy. Uh, I don't know what they look like on the basketball court, but uh, they, they was putting down some food. <laughs> and and uh, at Owen Rice, uh, yesterday in a driving windstorm, less than two minutes to go, they opened the offense up and just told Dreyfus, do what you do best. These quarterbacks had a duel. He just drove them downfield, scored the touchdown, game over, because it looked like we were headed into overtime. And I'm going to tell you, there was a couple of times in that second half where, folks, I couldn't see you 20 feet in front of me. And that's, the, the photos were, everybody's cameras was in bad shape just because of the weather. But if you're a football player, you love them kind of games. <laughs> Dog, don't, don't just laugh. Because you, you know when the mud is just out there all over the place and you're slipping and sliding and you're running after somebody trying to knock somebody down, it's just got a different feeling. A different meaning to, to, to what it's all about. So once again, Rice beat Army 38-31. Two they more. Play, they play Friday. And like the alumni says, two more. Rice Stadium versus La Tech. And that's a big game. Kickoff. That's a big game. Like we they said are, earlier, that's Texans a big game. fans, if you want to see some real football, winning football, teams that compete and represent the city of Houston. Thank you. Say that one more time. Go to Rice Stadium. On Friday, and then Saturday, go to TDECU Stadium on U of H campus and see the Cougars, the 7-0 Cougars, play Vanderbilt of the SEC, winning football instead of that garbage that Bob McNair has fooled you with for all these years. Also, uh, the, the, the mem- I hope you guys also got the, the other memo, the red and white scr- open sc- scrimmage and Hall Fine Three o'clock. Hall Fine Civilian, three o'clock. Red and white. Folks, scrimmage. come and see what they look like. They'll be competitive. They'll be competitive. That's for sure. Coach Samson has, has, has vowed that. For sure. Vowed that. Yeah, he has. He has vowed that, that they will be a better team. You can't tell about their non-conference schedule. But anyhow. But he said they'll be a better team. I don't doubt that. That's Because they got real, just they got, adds they got real basketball bodies out on the floor. I agree. Right. I've seen them. I've seen what they look like, and that's why I'm still disappointed in the schedule. awful, non the putrid non-conference schedule they put together. Now let's put the, let's, let's talk on our trip now while we while you're there. Then, well, let me give a football. I want Doc talk about basketball. HBCU. Okay, yes. then, all right. And then okay. I'm gonna end on some okay. swag basketball. What I think it'll lead perfectly into y'all's trip as we turn it over to basketball. Make sure we get some good basketball um, conversation in here. I'm going to give you four of the big games that took place this weekend in terms of each of the conferences, uh, big wins that took place. CIAA, the big win was Bowie State Bulldogs defeated Virginia Union. I didn't call this. I thought Virginia Union was rolling, would go in this game. Bowie State uh, led by Wilson, the coach up there. Former uh, Wilson from from here? Yeah. he he Not the head coach Wilson that's okay. still here, but he – he was an assistant coach here for Texas Southern for a while. Even was down there with Frazier coming out of okay. Bowie State. All right. now, all right. over there now, now, now I got the right Wilson. Okay, right. I know you're talking he about left. now. He's taking over that program. Remember, I told you this is the program that uh, lost a quarterback right. in regards to eligibility. They had a backup quarterback that beat Virginia State last week. Keep them rolling. This week was the big game in terms of two teams that were undefeated. Collision course, trying to make a statement to win the Northern Division. Mm-hmm. 
third string quarterback came in, got yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Big time plays. Yeah. They won the game 23 to 19. Bowie State Bulldogs, they are rolling. Lots of credit to them in terms of what's going on there. They still have to win out because Virginia Union is on their tails to get it done. But that was the big win. In terms of the SIC, big win had to be when you talk about the fact that Morehouse uh, jumped back and got it done as they're trying to stay inside the race over there 40 to 18 or 42 to 10 I should say over big Benedict I throw one more out there is Albany State 26 over Clark Atlanta 14 so that keeps them at 3 and 0 in the conference races they're chasing Fort Valley State that's 4 and 0 looks like that's going to come down to the last game of the year to find out who's going to play in the SIEC championship against Tuskegee Miles College is on outside looking in saying not so fast because they played Tuskegee the last weekend. So it might come down to those teams as Miles just has one conference loss. So they're looking in terms of that. And that's who I would say had the big win in terms of the SIC as well as Miles 17 over lane zero. Getting into the MEAC, big MEAC win. This was uh, two teams that were trying to stay in the race, did not want their second loss. Uh, North Carolina Central got it done. It was Morgan State 20-17 to 17 as the Eagles moved forward and got that done. In terms of the SWAC, I gave you a little hint of this at the beginning of the show in terms of that, and that was Southern bouncing back from their loss uh, at home, homecoming last week to Prairie View. Uh, well, Southern wanted to stay in the race, could not afford another loss, so they're 40-21 and 21 as they defeat Texas Southern 40-21. to 21. Let's just say it was Texas Southern's homecoming. So... Those are the big matchups in terms of what's taking place. In terms of the independent, we're going to look at the mid-major independent. Langston got a big win over Bacone. That's their second straight conference win. Central State, that's after they've had a change in the coaching position as last Friday, Saturday morning, the head coach, a former head coach, was relieved of his duty. He's moved over in terms of working with... At Bacon? No, at Langston. Oh, okay. they, Langston beat Bacone. That's the team that Texas Southern played earlier and right. beat up pretty oh, yeah. itself. Yeah. But now Langston is 2-1 and one under second under interim coach who happens to be a Langston graduate. Transferred over, oddly enough, uh, moving from Southern to Jackson playing basketball. Played a little football. Greg Johnson, a lot of you all that follow HBCUs, was the defensive coordinator of Jackson State. He went back for the second time and took the job at Langston. This player went with him, graduated, became assistant coach. Now he gets the chance to lead the team, and he's 2-0. and since taking over the ledger, so a Long lot of credit home. to him. Long road home. He came home and he said, look where I'm Long at. Long road home. Yes, I'll get you the name of that because I know a lot of people are going to look at him in regards to what he's getting done. Let's look at quickly in terms of top five. won't give you the whole top ten. You can listen in terms of Dr. Phil's SoundCloud every Tuesday on KCOHradio.com. If you can't catch it live from 6 to 7 every Tuesday, www.kcohradio.com. You can go to the podcast that is on SoundCloud that's posted before the end of the week at Dr. Ville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab uh, in regards to what's going on there. Let's look at the mid-major division in terms of what to watch out for this week. We'll do the conference top five again of the top ten. Fort Valley State 4-3, and 4-0 oh this week. They move one spot down from the fourth spot as they are jumped by Virginia State that moves up one spot, who is five and three and three and two after a big win last week. 
Number three uh, is Virginia Union. They only slide one spot, six and two, four and one. Still playing very good. Uh, they did lose their first place votes, which all go to Bowie State, who ranks number two now, sliding up one spot, seven and one, five and zero, oh, five first place votes, one hundred one three. 103 points, I should say, total points in terms of the ranking, leaving you with number one Tuskegee Golden Tigers at 7-1-5-0. They're rolling six first-place votes, 106. But Bowie State is making a statement to see if they should overtake them in terms of that number one role there. In terms of the mid-majors, let's look a little close at the top five programs there. A little bit of a change in going on there with some uh, teams moving back and forth. Number five. Auckland State Braves did not play this week, so they fall one spot. They still hold on to that one first place vote they have. They're at four and two, three and one. At number four, you have Prairie View and Panthers, four and two, four and one. Um, they're moving down one spot from the three spot with the team Bethune Cookman jumping them from the five spot to number three. Bethune Cookman Wildcat coming in six and two, four and one. They bounce back with a big time win this week. At number two, you have the Groundland State Tigers, six and two, six and oh, four first place votes. 94 points as they continue to roll. They beat up on Mississippi Valley State for their homecoming this week as they're supposed to. North Carolina A&T Aggies, they continue to win. They win their homecoming going away against Howard. 61 on the season. 6-1. 4-0 in the conference race. So that's what's going on there. We have some big matchups this weekend I'll tell you to keep your eyes on. We'll talk a little detail on this again as you can listen on Tuesday KCWHradio.com on the SoundCloud. You'll get in-depth information about these key matchups. The classic matchup, big one, Alabama A&M, Alabama State. Alabama State is coming in, jumping into the poll at number 10. They are 3-4 three and 3-3. and, three and three. Alabama A&M Bulldogs are 2-4 two and four and 2-1. and one. They really want to find a way to get in this matchup and get this game going on as they're chasing Alcorn to see if they can somehow find a way in regards to get into the SWAC championship game. Well, that is very feasible and very possible this weekend as you look at the fact, the big game in the SWAC, SWAC major division game is number five, Alcorn Straight Braves, four and two, three and one. They're at number six, Southern Jaguars, four and three, four and one. That's a big time matchup. Top 10 teams, uh, one of those teams are going to allow somebody else to creep in to the top of the division if you don't win that game. Southern Jaguars probably need to win it. More importantly is they're chasing an undefeated 5-0 Grambling team, right, in the conference race, as well as the fact that Prairie View has the head-to-head over them. So this is a big matchup, and Alcorn State Braves do not want to give A&M any chance to think that they can find a way to get it done in the East. So that's a good one to keep your eyes on at 4 o'clock kickoff central time in regards that's going on there. In the MEAC the game is two teams that again battling to try to stay in the race is number 9 Hampton Pirates 4-4, four 3-2 and, four, and, and number 7 South Carolina State Bulldogs 4-3, and 3-1 and one, as both of those teams are chasing North Carolina A&T Aggies so that's the one to keep you on. The other one for my independent game I'm going to go to a mid-major game to keep you eye on and that is Langston. I want to look at Langston as they continue move forward. They have a big game this weekend. I told you two straight games in terms of the Central State Football League. So they play Lion College, L-Y-O-N. I hope I'm pronouncing that right in terms of what 
they're getting done. So that's one to keep your eyes on in terms of them going into Batesville, Arkansas, the Pioneer Stadium, to see if Langston can continue to win as a mid-major independent game of the week that I want you to keep your eyes on. As we close up in terms of games to watch, let's go to the mid-major division and stay there. I told you about the CIAA major division. We're going to go over to the South Division as they start to lock up things. One of these teams are going to basically play themselves out of that division. Fayetteville State really needs this game sitting at number 10. They're 4-4, four 4-1. And four, four and they want to keep up Winston-Salem State and make that game against Winston-Salem State next week mean everything in terms of who's going to play for the CIAA championship out of the South Division. They're at number 9, Livingston Blue Bears, 3-3, three 2-3. And three, three in the conference race trying to find a way to keep themselves in the mix so that's the game to keep your eye on similarly i'm gonna go into the sic mid-major division we're going to go over to the west division where you have central state matadors four and four four and two at number one tuskegee golden tigers seven and one five and oh they want to keep that number one ranking, but Central States wants to make a statement. They want to get to that winning record, so this is a, another one to keep your eyes on in terms of who's going to find a way to play for the SIAC championship out of the West. Tuskegee wins this game. They pretty much put themselves against a winner-take-all battle against Miles College next weekend to see who's going to be out of the SIAC championship game. So those are kind of big games that I say we need to keep our eyes on this week as we transition over to the hardwood in terms of what's going on the basketball lane for the major division in MEAC. Let's look at some team people like Bruce Beckford out of North Carolina A&T. This forward, this senior, he's going to be very strong, hard to stop. He has uh, A&T in terms of team to keep your eyes on. A&T is not going to look very good overall, but this guy has the talent to at least get some wins and throw it out there. But if you're looking at the team to keep your eyes on, it's Hampton. He'll be led by Dwight Mickle, who's a senior forward, to kind of get it done in terms of what's going on there. In terms of that, North Carolina Central is always going to be in the hunt, and they have a guard, a senior, Dante Holmes, to keep your eyes on in terms of what they're going on there. The other team to keep your eyes on in the mix is Howard. They're back in the basketball business. Not getting it done in football, but basketball looks like they're going to have a team. James Daniel, the junior guard, is a guy that you want to keep your eyes on in terms of what's going on there. Looking at what is taking place in the MEAC as we switch over and let's look at the SWAC. Not a lot of surprises there outside of everybody saying, hey, what's going on with the SWAC? Texas Southern says they're going to be in the MAC mix to get it done in regards to those teams looking very hard and heavy in terms of those kind of teams there. But let me give you some names to keep your eyes on in terms of the SWAC. Everybody's heard Banks. Banks is the head coach over there at Southern where his son got into that little altercation at the end of the SWAC championship game, had that technical foul that pretty much sealed the deal and sent Texas Southern to the championship. He's back in the mix. He's a really good kid, made a bad decision on that play, but Trulon Banks, junior guard, Southern, he'll be back in the mix and the guy to make it work for Southern as they will probably find a way to go heads and head against Texas Southern again. 
When you look at Texas Southern, a lot of transfer comes in, but you got to look at senior forward Chris Thomas. He's been working hard and getting it done. They have lost. Swat player of the year, Madarius Gibbs, but you know Texas Southern just finds a way to reload. Mike is an excellent coach, so he'll find a way to get it done. Look for senior guard Chris Blanks, who who's a pickup uh, in regards to a lot of things that Gibbs do, did in terms of graduation to get it done. So those are some eyes. There's some other guys that I can't quite get the names on yet. As you'll find out a little closer as we get in the season. Another team that I want you to keep your eyes on, Alabama State. Very well coached team. They're going to be in the mix, especially with James Water, senior guard, uh, that will look to put in the mix to give uh, Alabama State a chance to try to find a way to get in the mix in regards to going on there. The other one is Ladarius Tab. Uh, Ladarius Tab, make sure I say that he's a preseason favorite in terms of player of the year for Alabama A&M. So they should be in the wicks as Coach uh, Willie Hayes wants to find a way to get this team over the hunt in terms of what's going on there, as well as Nick West at Alabama A&M. He's a forward senior to kind of give you some talk about what's take going on in terms of the SWAC and MEAC in basketball. With that, fellas, I'll turn it back over to you. I think we've done justice to the HBCU landscape and gave you both uh, the football and some talk about basketball as we get in the mix. As y'all start to get on the plane and really get into it and get some <laughs> interviews and give us the people what they want in terms of what's the ins and outs of basketball, the Ram ball. Doc. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna ask this one. There's one more question. <coughs> Prairie View and Texas Southern split this year, or it's gonna be TSU or both, both? In basketball? Yeah. In men's basketball? Yeah. I think I think that's always a tough one because uh, rivalries make a lot of difference. We right. know that, and, and, it, yeah, and that's what happened last year with the split. Nobody would have thought it was a split there, and uh, Prairie View got it done with the split. I wouldn't be surprised if they split again. Uh, it'll be interesting. Prairie View is is really a toss up in terms of what they have going on. They have so many new players as well coming in for JUCOs as they were senior late last year. Yeah, that, that's the true. They that's had. true. So until we really see what's on the court. Um, who knows? Uh, it was the same with Texas Southern. They're going to have a lot of players, a lot of good talent. We know what Coach can do in terms of his coaching pedigree uh, with Texas Southern Mike Davis. But until these guys play, you just quite never know. Two years ago, remember, they had a team that kind of faltered in the middle of the season right. but then got it going late and into the tournament and made that nice tournament run. So when you have this – uh, transfer flux of kids, whether it's from JUCO or kids transferring in, sitting out, or some of them are mm-hmm. graduates that get to play right away, you just really don't know in regards to how they're going to play together. Uh, and so that's the same thing with the Prairie View Mix, and you add on top of it, it's a good old-fashioned rivalry. So um, they just like lacing it up against each other, and they're going to play hard. So I think you're going to see a lot of that this year in the mix as well. As we get a little closer and see some of the non-conference games that we talk about, I think I can give you a little further indication to see if Prairie View is going to be in the mix uh, or not. And I'm going to give you one more. On the women's side, two teams. Same sc- same t- yeah, I think it's not going to change much. Uh, Texas Southern Southern on the women's side, that's just the way it is. You have to give a look out for Alabama State. They did get it done in the tournament. As we talked about that a little bit, that was the help from Texas Southern not being in the mix because of the skirmish last right. year and the, mm-hmm. their inability to play in the tournament because they just didn't have enough players. But the fact is, Alabama State still beat Southern. 
That's who true. Was the top team. That is true. At the top. So you got to get everybody too. State. Yeah, that they, they got on a, a neutral court where they could they, they could all see. Exactly. So that's a team that's in the mix. You still have the pedigree at Prairie View that had won four of the last five championships. So they're a championship caliber team. So they're going to be upset that they couldn't get it done. So it'll be interesting to see what they were able to do on the recruiting trails. So I think they'll be at least in the mix to try to see what they can get done and some interesting things going on down there on the women's side. So that's why I'll take it up there. MEAC, just to give you some, I think it's going to go between Savannah State. They were senior level last year as they got it done. I think you got to go back to David Six in terms of women and look out for A&T on the women's side to find a way to get in the mix a little bit too. Young man to my right, we're on a plane in the morning to see if folks are shooting us a bunch of crap <laughs> or what. No, we know that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. Monday, we'll be in Orlando for the Women's Media Day for the American Athletic Conference, UConn's conference. It will be UConn's conference until, until somebody, somebody, somebody says otherwise. Ride it up. Hopefully that's U of H's From the Phoenix and says, I'm going to get this done this year. So USF will be, should be in the mix, but they're not on UConn's level yet. Tulane is, is going to be, should be in the mix. That should be the top three teams I would guess. You know, when the poll is announced, preseason poll is announced tomorrow. Um, you know, Cincinnati, Temple, those are Coach Gino, you know, former players on staff, but they haven't gotten it done like people expected them to do. Um, Can't get the same recruits. That, that's, a, that's one thing. Now. That's part of it. But that goes to what, what do the kids want? And and how, and how are they selling? Their, how are they selling and promoting themselves to those kids? Okay, now that's right. Going, that's what we have to ask. And also, are the kids they are going after have the same mentality to compete? Well, that's all part of who you getting. If you don't want, <laughs> if you're not going out getting kids who want to beat UConn, you're wasting my time, your time, staff's time, your lumps time, the administration's time. Because if your goal is not to beat UConn. Just to compete with them? You're not going to get blasted. Don't you're wasting my time. There's too many teams in women's college basketball who are wasting our time not preparing and trying to beat UConn. Not just compete with UConn. Not just to be on UConn's level and, and all those nice things. I said in a previous podcast months ago, I want to hear a coach say, damn it, I'm tired of getting beat by now. I want to beat UConn. I'm a person who's closest to doing that is Muff McGraw Notre Dame. Yeah. And she beat Gino. With that mentality. With that mindset. That's what it takes. And that's what Gino wants. Gino wants to be pushed. He pushes his players harder in practice than they have than they compete in games. Because he knows that's what it takes to win championships. That's what more teams need to do. Need to adapt that mindset. That's what Don Sated has done in South Carolina. That's what Tennessee and Coach Holly Warlick need to get back to doing to start and return the Lady Vols to the Final Four. Do you think Karen will be able to get this, is in the process of trying to get that done at Texas? Yes. So, you know, and it's going, thank you for saying that, sir. 
because that's Big 12 and Baylor. Hey, I ain't going to forget that at local Coach, folks. Coach, hey, you know. Coach Mulkey got an awesome commitment this evening. She did? She announced it on well, Twitter it, about, about an hour ago. Is it, is it the big one? Lauren Cox hey, put it on it? Twitter that she is going to Baylor University from Flower Mound, six foot four, Doc. A different, a different player, Doc. Doc. A different player. She's no more player. A different player. By a lot. Wow. A different player. She, she That's is a legit. game changer there. She is That's legit. one of the once in a generation type players. She at is that level, the real deal. She is yeah. the real deal. She's going to bust her that tail from day basketball. one. Oh, Doc. I love it. And, and thank her for uh, favoring my retweet of her tweet. Because she put on Twitter that she has committed to, to Baylor. And I said congrats to Lauren and Baylor Nation. And she favorited the tweet within like five seconds of my tweet. So I was like, how about that? So and you can catch me on Twitter at she VHR Review. People didn't know basketball. She understands. So we're looking forward to that. <laughs> Kudos to Baylor and the Big 12. That's, a, that's, a, a, that's a big hit. And keep in mind, this is, this is a lot of pressure on her and Baylor. But the Women's Final Four 2017 will be in Dallas. Folks. Oh, don't you know if Baylor could get there? Woo. Because we'll be there. All three of us will yeah, be there. That's nice. right. So yeah, we'll, we'll be, be there. Nice. Yeah. We, we so, get, we're getting things done. So, yes, the American Media Day, Women's Media Day is Monday. Men's Media Day is Tuesday. At some point, we, we're going to talk about Louisville and uh, this sex scandal and Coach uh, Patino's announcement that he's not going to the ACC Media Day on Wednesday, but he's sending two fifth-year seniors players to speak to the media I guess in hopes that they'll talk basketball instead of the scandal so that just floors me right there but that's another uh, but, uh, but now, I'm, I'm going to say this he wouldn't have done that unless Doc as you say administrative folks in charge said it was okay the lawyers told him to not to go that's what it comes down to the lawyers yeah, don't go suggested it not Which, only supported as you talking about. Yeah, I'm that's, saying that's, that he suggested it. Hey, let's stay away from this. Let's kind of let this die out because they're trying to move him further away from this as possible, so they don't have to do anything more than what they're doing. And they're really trying to put this all on the assistant coach that was at UMKC, that was the graduate assistant at the time. In a lot of ways, it probably was about him, but. There is one point that I do want to kind of share before we move on. I'm, I'm hoping you do. This is a really the clash of two different cultures coming together. And in a lot of ways, people don't really want to talk about this fact that this is nothing different in a lot of ways from young people in terms of young people wanting to express their manhood. And one of the things you do is you seek to see if you can go to the strip club, whether it's whatever that is about not saying that you are wrong right we're not in that position to talk about that but we're saying it's out there the fact that this slides into college and that you have uh, this scenario where young men are being recruited and they're taking the parties uh, with women around and the fact that you have what young people do especially in this generation when being flirtatious Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. goes to being sexually active Mm -hmm. A lot quicker than ever before. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have people to try to act like this is a nuance and that this doesn't go on Grow up. is almost comical to me. I do not believe that Coach knew for a fact this was taking place, but it, this is one of those things that they know things like this take place, 
and they kind of look the other way so they can have this plausible that, that deniability blind, uh, blind uh, in spot. terms of, of blind spot that goes on this and this goes on a lot more than people would like to admit to and a lot of us that are out here watching this know this heard stories been in part of the stories to be frank with you in different ways over our college days we mature and we get past it but to suggest that college basketball is this purity is silly to me particularly when you have the NCAA lead organization that is devilish in itself in a lot of ways that it operates and I'll be frank and out front and center and continue to bash the NCAA every chance I get as long as they continue uh, to be servitude in regards to how they treat their college athletes as if they shouldn't have more choices in terms of being part of the workforce. So that's the part that I look at this in regards to how the media is covering it, which is laughable to me. And I'm glad that we have a voice to provide a different framework so people can understand that all of us are not going to play this game. Because I guess the only difference that media is trying to put out between the Louisville, the prostitution, and the hostesses that have been around for years, ages, is what? Beginning that a, time. That a lady came paid. out. That, that, that's it. They don't get paid directly. Right. Let's put it like that, directly. Yeah. Because I'm fairly certain I'm, I'm, that somewhere along the line, the hostesses are taken care of in some form or fashion. Right. Some way, somehow. Yes. By any means necessary. And that could be books. That yeah, could be sure. uh, scholarships and things in the nature. No, yeah. However you want to paint it is up to you in regards to how much does that pay for play in regards to that framework. But I just wanted to put that out there that let's not look at this in regards to thinking that sports is all this great. We know there are a lot of great things about sports, and we cheer those things. But there Anything in life, if there's going to be great, there's going to be bad. But let's open up our eyes and mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. the great. And let's also talk about the bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to wrap it up with a couple of things. The Rockets are coming off just an awful performance on Friday in preseason finale. It was a bad week, right? Against the Spurs. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a bad week. Basically what came out after the game was Coach McKay was just really dis- disappointed in the Definitely. Lack of communication of the team on defense, especially the Spurs carved them up just left and right throughout the ball game. Uh, Dwight Howard still having back issues, and of course he'll miss the season opener Wednesday versus the Nuggets because he's serving the one-game suspension for the accumulation of uh, flagrant fouls in the playoffs that he had last postseason. So he'll miss that game. But the Rockets have seven games in 11 days after they play the Nuggets on Wednesday. They have the Warriors on Friday. They go to Miami on Sunday. And then Monday, they have Oklahoma City Thunder here in town. It's going to be so interesting, Those folks. first four games, that ain't no joke. They might stub <laughs> their toe a couple of times, getting used to each other with all this depth. Their defenses have to improve. There's no question. They're still having I, I, well, I had seen problems. I, I, a game. I haven't watched the game because I, I, the nights they've been scheduled, I've been, been working. But how have they... Just on that, they're just on that side of the ball. Influxed, you know, trying to mesh and, and figure that all out with Dwight, not, you know, still having issues. What I mean, team defense, good team defense, is communication, knowing where you should be, knowing that 
And your somebody, teammate has your back. Okay. Rotations are tight. And that comes with playing together, practicing together. And they just haven't had that yet enough time to get that done. But it has to happen. For the Rockets to get where they want to go, and they're talking championship, NBA championship, based on the success of last season, getting to the Western Conference Finals, defense has to be there. they got to cut down on turnovers. Obviously, health is a major factor. That's for any team, any post-sport. True. you got to stay healthy. you got to play defense. you got to limit turnovers. Offense should not be a problem this year. you got Tal Austin at the point, Harden at, at two guard. Should have a now free, clear focus since he's no longer with that woman. So we should have no problems, folks, on NBA basketball, 82 games, and, and playoffs. So that should be a, a good thing young, for James young, Harden there. Young Christopher Gardner. Young so, Christopher Gardner. And I'm not even going to all other stuff like that. But, yes, the Rockets' the schedule, real deal, starts on October 28th versus the Nuggets. And like I said, those first four games, Denver, Golden State, at Miami, then Oklahoma City, that's four games – you got Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Monday. That's going to be tough. The game in Miami on Sunday is at 5 o'clock. Then they got to fly back here and play Oklahoma City at 7 o'clock on Monday. So look forward to that, and I'll be at as many games as possible. But lastly, I want to say condolences, thoughts, and prayers to former Piston coach Flip Saunders, who yeah. passed away today at the age of 60. Young uh, man. He was diagnosed Young with man. Hodgkin lymphoma. Uh, just a few months ago. Yeah, uh, like uh, and, um, before the season was over with. Uh, it was announced in August. And yeah. at that point, when the diagnosis was, was, yeah. uh, was found was in, in the He had a setback spring. in September, and and he, he just uh, he, he never recovered. Only, I think, yesterday it was announced that he wouldn't coach this year. And then today, Sunday it was announced that he had passed away. Go ahead. No, uh, finish this statement because I wanted to add the fact that uh, I thought also with Stuart Scott uh, that we lost last year around this time mm-hmm. that two of the things that he loved with UNC, which deals with the fact basketball, was his Tar Heels at UNC. Yeah. And also the fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha yeah. fraternity, which I happen to be a member of. Really? So <laughs> I thought. <laughs> yeah, doc, I did a little post yesterday on that. Somebody really? sent one. And night. I thought it was befitting that the fraternity True. got True. out there and dedicated a step to him. He was the step master. Anybody that knows things about fraternities, which is another thing in terms of the cultural aspect of the Africana diaspora, particularly in the U.S., uh, that we have fraternities. In this case, we're talking about the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternities that start at the collegiate level and unlike many of the other uh, non-African-American fraternities, in a lot of ways we stick with the fraternities even at the graduate level. And you have even probably seen Stuart Scott throw up uh, a little alpha sign during his broadcast, particularly on December 4th, the founder days, and sometimes he would co-host uh, with his other fraternity brother there that I thought was amazing about it. But he even had, they even taught some of the basketball players some of the steps, so they got on the court as well to honor Stuart Sott and the two things that he really loved, and I thought that was uh, beautiful. And as we're talking about people in their history in terms of the death, I hope a lot of people celebrate uh, the same way about Thank you for that. Uh, Coach Saunders, you know, like I said, coached the Pistons for three seasons. They won, they averaged almost 60 wins a season in his mm. tenure there. 
got to the Eastern Conference Finals all three t- years there. Uh, the one season they won six to four games. From what I was told, from, uh, from what they mentioned, you know, you know, NBA, CBA, etc. He was a, he was a great coach, great offensive mind. Cut his teeth in the CBA. Uh, you know, he was roommates, uh, teammates with Kevin McHale, roommates with Tony Dungy, uh, Michael Thompson. Uh, teammates with Kevin McHale, Michael Thompson, roommates with Tony Dungy his freshman year. So he, he, he touched a lot of people. That, that's that's the reason. And, and one of the things that he made a point to a lot of folks, media wise, media in media, noted today in a tribute to him was he took time and and uh, hand wrote Christmas cards to each of them, you know, with a personal touch to let to let them know each of them know that he's with them Merry yeah. Christmas, Happy Holidays, etc. So that was the kind of person Coach was. And like I said, his time with the Pistons was was a great time. Uh, toward the end there, the players really you were did, did him wrong, and they stopped listening to him, and you know, and and just that's how one of the reasons why they they failed in the conference finals. That you know how Rasheed Wallace is, Rasheed can be Rasheed, and 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 that the team just went, stopped listening to to uh, coach and did their own thing. They started losing, and and then they wouldn't blame themselves. They tried to blame coach. And that's why coach got fired, and you know this whole—it was a whole mess, and the team had been the same since since that uh, fiasco up in Detroit. But Kevin Garnett, who uh, drafted by Minnesota, changed his life. Changed his life. KG came back to the richer KG because I'm the original KG because I'm older than him. Um, <laughs> but he's the money guy. That's why I said the richer, wealthier KG uh, posted on his Facebook page today. Uh, a photo of him sitting in uh, Coach Saunders' parking spot, and he, and the, the the comment was "Forever in my heart," and that's been shared all over Facebook and Twitter to just give him a slight indication of how much uh, Flip Saunders meant to uh, Kevin Garnett. So, basketball world, NBA world, basketball world is uh is in in mourning for the passing at 60 years old of uh, Philip Flip Saunders. May he rest in peace. Godspeed to him. Condolences to his friends and family and all the people who he touched, including me. So I want to take this time to wrap it up. Thank everybody for listening to this podcast. This is probably the longest one, longest podcast we've done, but I think it was one of our best ones. So uh, Coach Saunders, rest in peace. Wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.